podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. So close Yet so far from paradise I hold you in my arms And paradise is mine Then you slip away Like a child at play And here am I, so close, yet so far from paradise. It's the day, Trippers. cantankerous biting the heads off unfortunates who simply inquired after your well-being yes us too Liverpool's inevitable but irritating as all hell period of transition continued on Saturday when they allowed Phil bloody Jagielka to rescue a point for an Everton side that had been outplayed it was a horrible feeling and led to some very fraught interactions amongst fans so joining me tonight in the bunker for a cathartic rant our newly converted selfie wanker Paul Brennan Formby PR spokesman Andy Young Inverted Irish-Welsh patriot Davis Thomas. Perpetually angry, shouty bollocks Phil Casey. And on the line making his pod debut is Ollie, a.k.a. at Anfield HQ 96. Right, let's begin our review of Liverpool 1, Everton 1. Um, on Friday on the Anfield FM radio show, we talked about how in 1997 Liverpool finished fourth in a two-horse race. Well, Saturday's derby was a one-horse race. And yet it ended up in a photo finish, regardless of all the negativity however that followed. It was arguably our best performance in Spurs. So let's start with some of the positives um, and pick up on some of those. Adam Lallana, I suppose, is one. Um, he backed up um, uh, and he did talk and he did with a pretty excellent performance. Um, he's still pressing in the 90th minute, which gives the light to the idea that he's maybe struggling a little bit with fitness. Um, what were your thoughts, Ollie, on Lallana? Well, no, I agree with you. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. You know, he's come in and he's uh, he's been criticised by some fans for his slow start. But, uh, you know, I, I thought he, he answered his critics well. He, he worked his socks off for 90 minutes. He got into good spaces. Uh, he's, he's brilliantly technically gifted. Um, and I thought he was one of our real positive shining lights uh, against Everton. And uh, I think if he continue that level of performance and that consistency, he can be a very, very important player for us this season. 
it was it was particularly impressive, wasn't it, to see the guy still going uh, flat out and closing down defenders right at the death. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, and it's exactly the kind of example that Brendan Rodgers will want to set to the uh, to the players. You know, that, that's kind of example. You know, it'll want it'll want him to set. And uh, yeah, it, it was very very good. Um, he's obviously still trying to find fitness. He, he's not quite there yet, but uh, he's only going to get better. And I thought he's uh, you know for, for his price tag as well, uh, he, he could be worth every penny. Dave Thomas, as a man who was um, actively looking forward to seeing Lallana, as I was myself, how impressed are you now to see him actually coming good? Yeah, really impressed. I think that, uh, obviously you got to remember he's still early into his fitness levels. I mean, he didn't have a preseason with us, so I think this is his fourth appearance, or third or fourth appearance, whatever it is. And I think he played, you know, the fact that he played 120 minutes on Tuesday and then came in and played 90 minutes on Saturday, you know, you know, was 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 good. You know, in terms of some of the other leggy performances we saw uh, on on Saturday, I thought he was great. I thought he's always looking to move the ball. I thought that he full of energy. I thought he added legs to the midfield. Um, I think he, he lacked a little bit from still not really knowing, you know, what, what everyone's doing around him. But that'll come as he plays more games. But I thought he was positive, two footed. Probably held onto the ball a little bit too long sometimes. But the pass wasn't always obvious. Um, but I thought he was. Along with Balotelli, I thought he was our best player. I thought he was very, very good. Anyone got any contrary opinions on that, or any only a few guys who weren't maybe just quite as enthusiastic about him? No, no, I had a whinge about his price tag, but I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. Yeah. And he, you could see him kind of building up to that a bit. Like, you know, he kind of came on in the last couple of games. Now, I could not pull him up trees or anything, but he, he was improving from his first couple of appearances where he mm. was really kind of stodgy. And But yeah, br- uh, he was brilliant at finding space, uh, brilliant ball carrying. And uh, yeah, the only thing that his real cutting edge wasn't really there on Saturday, but that'll come with more games. But I was really surprised by his energy levels. Uh, yeah, and I don't think, um, Andy, it's probably fair to say that what, what Paul's chatting about there is you're never going to see that real turn of pace from Lalana. And he's a kind of guy who gets past, past people like Coutinho does with, with, with guile more than with, with, with just sheer force. Yeah, he's a very technical player, and for, for a British player, it's unusual to see that kind of thing. Um, as a, you know, the lads are saying, he's improved every game. And, mm. you know, we can only hope he keeps improving. And then maybe a couple of goals start coming like he, he did for Southampton. He was unlucky with a header. Mm. Yeah. He got good contact on him. He put, uh, made the keeper work. So I'm happy with him so far. Mm. I haven't any complaints about the fella. And for a fella who's supposed to have a broken heart, 120 <laughs> minutes. <since. laughs> <Tuesday. Broken heart. laughs> Just to be clear, that's not a romantic thing. Is it? No, no. P.S. No. I love you, deceitful. <laughs> no, no, I heard somewhere uh, he had a broken heart. Yeah. Apparently, he has the lung capacity of a seven-year-old as well. Oh, so that's right, another yeah, problem. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so not, bad, not bad for someone who's who's a uh, who's overcome yeah, a lot of difficulties. Yeah. Phil, moving on to Mario Baltelli. Unless you want to talk about that, Andy. I can lead into them that way because I think there was there was signs definitely on on Saturday of them building up an understanding between them. Even when we were at the Villa game, um, you could see of, of all the players that were starting to discover a link up since Sturridge was out. Because I thought I actually think Balotelli and Sturridge showed in that first game against Spurs they had a natural link up in terms of the way they were playing together. But uh, of all the players since then, Lalana seems to be one that understands where Balotelli's going. And Balotelli seems to understand where Lalan is going to be on the pitch now. And that's a good thing. Hopefully we can get a few more players to come along and sort of join in with that as well. Mm. Because, you know, he's not storage. Balotelli isn't storage. And I suppose this takes us on to the main part. And 
<clears throat> our team is still very much focused in the way it attacks the, you know, replicating what storage is going to do well in terms of running off people's shoulders and playing those little shrew balls and the whole lot. Mm. And because we don't have that, we're still struggling to maybe break open teams and create the spaces and create the chances that we have. Um, and lumping crosses into the box isn't the way for creating chances either for Balotelli because he's not your traditional uh, big man that, that will be playing in front. From what I've seen, though, you know, he I, I, I thought for Balotelli again, similar to Lalana, his work rate was outstanding. For a player who 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 was um, criticised before he came that his work rate wasn't great and, and the whole lot, he 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 broke his arse across that pitch. And I, I was so disappointed to see him coming off for Lambert in, in eighty five minutes because up until then, the la- from about the seventy minutes out after he misses his chance. He increases work rate again and he got around the pitch and said, right, if I miss the big chance, I'm going to make sure that, that you know, that'll become the first line of defence for us. He was brilliant at holding the ball up. He was winning tackles. He was getting back. Mm. When we needed an outlet to, you know, to take the pressure off as Everton started to throw everything at us, he was that outlet. I remember at one stage there was three Everton players over on the, on the sideline, just inside our own mm. half. And it looked like they were going to crowd him out. And he just did, he pulled the ball back and then the, the sort of little back turn pulled through. And next minute, the three boys were still standing on the sideline and Balotelli had pulled away into two yards of space, you mm. know. And we kept the ball and were able to retain it. And interestingly, when he goes off, <clears throat> we, we didn't have anyone to do that. Lambert comes on, and I know we'll talk about him later, yeah. but it, there's, you know that outlet is suddenly gone and it just allows everything to have all the ball then in the final third of our pitch. And it was like... It was like that head of steam that we always want to see ourselves applying if we're chasing a game, at, you know, one all or something like that. They they were able to, to to build it up and they get their goal ultimately from that because we didn't have the work rate in, in the front row together. When it comes down to his goal scoring, yeah, it's disappointing he didn't get that goal. I thought I thought um, Howard got lucky with the save because it, it's not one that you know he just stands up big and tall. He makes himself big in the goal. He does all he can. He gets the touch and it, it goes off the crossbar. My only c- complaint in that instance is that Balotelli. I'm looking at saying if he scissor ki- scissor kicks that he can get over the ball and put play it back down into the ground and and Howard isn't saving if he plays it back down into the goal into the ground there, but at the same time he misses a chance in the first half and it goes between the two he's not making the front post runs but that's the style of forward he is if you have storage there storage is the one that's attacking the front post and he's ready to ready to jump in at it well actually on that that's interesting uh, to, to, to go there to the runs next um, Ollie, I heard, I heard um, Jesus the studio's falling apart here excuse me uh, I heard Michael Owen on his, on his commentary talking about uh, Balotelli's runs and he was quite critical of them and saying that he's not basically getting between the posts and that was something that was picked up by, by Brendan Rodgers later on then as well um, you know he he actually made that point very clearly. He said he spoke to him at half time and that things changed slightly then. Um what were your what was your take on, on Balotelli's positioning and, and, and his runs off the ball? Uh, well, well, I think Mario Balotelli is obviously a player where uh, you know he, he's not he's not got the movement that Sturridge has, but uh, I, I think he's got to do everything he can to get in the box because that's ultimately you know you know that there were parts of the game where we had no one in front of Balotelli. So I think uh, yeah, you know, Rodgers would have had a word with him, and uh, he, he obviously was a lot better in the second half of getting into the box, and he was very unlucky not to score. Um, and I thought, to be honest, the goal would have topped off his performance. But uh, I agree with uh, with you about you know it's not fair to suggest that he was lazy at all. I think he's a, he's a very different type of player to Sturridge, and uh, it's all about fitting Balotelli into a system that that will work for both him and Liverpool. So mm. um, yeah, I just think he, you know it'll work very well with Sturridge. Uh, you know, it's just the problem we have is when when we don't have Sturridge, we don't have a replacement. Four storage, so we just need someone to get up with with Balotelli, and uh, yeah, uh, I don't think Barini cuts that, and nor does Ricky Lambert. And and also, I agree. I think Rodgers was probably a bit naive in bringing Balotelli off because I think he wanted him to get a, a you know a, a very good reception from the Anfield crowd, which he did. But uh, but bringing Lambert on, we we just lost that outlet. I, I agree with that, and um, it, it'll be very good to get Sturridge back when he's uh, when he's fit and ready to go. What about that suggestion, Paul? That um. <clears throat> Maybe that's shown one glaring uh, omission in the in the squad building and preparation for the summer is that 
Um, Balotelli is not a storage replacement. Balotelli is someone who'd be playing alongside him, which is a point made by some of the lads earlier on, Phil and Dave, when they were chatting about it. Yeah, when you like when you think about the money that we got for Suarez, like if you look at the forwards that we have, we'd never really kind of we didn't fully replace or like even kind of attempt to replace the kind of gap there because like he obviously uh, Balotelli and Sturridge are always going to start together, and then uh, like uh, like I said before, the the quality just falls off a cliff. Then there's not mm. there's nothing like that. Like there's nothing like either of them after that. Mm. Like, I don't rate Barini, and we've seen we'll talk about Lambert later, but like it, it really is it like. When you when you know storage is going to miss that amount of games, it is something that we kind of you, you do look back and wish we'd done more on. Mm, yeah, Andy, you've been critical of Balotelli in, uh, from 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 pretty much from the off, and and fair enough. What 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 was your take on his uh, performance, and what what do you make of him as he's evolving? Yeah, well, okay. Like one, one thing I has really sh- uh, surprised me is his walk rate. It's brilliant. Fairness, like he runs back. He's he's one of our best defenders. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, but. You know, when you're buying a striker to come in and knowing how storage, how often storage is injured, you should be bringing in a player that's going to score more goals. And his output hasn't been good enough so far um, by by our standards of the amount of goals he scored last year. Uh, there's a couple of things. Um, he goes to the back post after Henderson picks out a worldly of a pass. Yeah. Manquillo whips a perfect ball in that any striker in the world goes to the front post mm. and just gets something out mm. of it. Couldn't believe that nobody attacked the front post and Balotelli of all people. Um, his chance he missed, Todd Howard was just brilliant. You know, uh, Balotelli done brilliant to get a good contact on that because it got a little deflection as well, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. So it's going to put him off. But, um, yeah, I just think Mark Alls, he was, a, in my opinion, he was a bit of a panic boy and he was brought in there to kind of keep the fans a little bit quiet, get them excited over the name. But uh, so far, the output hasn't been good enough. But, but would you not find yourself rolling in behind maybe what Phil was saying earlier on, that when you see him alongside Sturridge, then that's going to be a different yeah, situation? Yeah, but uh, like all strikers in the world are, are going to love someone up front with them. Yeah. Sturridge is going to love it. It's going to improve him. Mm-hmm. And Balotelli's obviously going to love it because I think he will feed off Sturridge. And they do connect and they bounce off each other. And already, they, they seem to get on very well, a lot better than uh, Suarez and Sturridge did, you know. Yeah. So that that'll help them, um, but that that's relying on storage being in the team, and we know the storage is going to be out of the team for maybe thirty percent of the games. Mm. So yeah, it's really really depressing. He's out for five already. Unfortunately, yeah, we haven't um, we haven't replaced goals there. Yeah, and that's what strikers are judged on. Yeah. So I I want to see at least a goal every two games of them. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing I the thing I'd say about it, I th- I think I'm probably going to say this a lot tonight is that he's really only played five games, you know, he didn't have a pre-season with us, right? So I think it's fair to say that he's got better with every game. Mm-hmm. I think most people would say that. So imagine what he might look like if he continues that progression <coughs> for another five games. And maybe then his eye, his goal rate gets better, his finishing gets better, he understands more what's happening around him. So I'd have, I'd be a little bit less reluctant to say that he won't be able to play if Sturridge is injured, I just think he's got to play into that, and I think that he's not—he hasn't been able to do that because he hasn't played enough games. So, I think he'll look better with Sturridge. I don't have the same concerns or as strong a concern about if Sturridge got injured again, would Balotelli be able to replicate the goals? Because a, I don't think that's just down to him. I think other people have to contribute. Let's be honest. Take Sterling out of our side right now, and there's no goals, right? Mm-hmm. No one's scoring. So I think everyone has to kick on a little bit. And I think, you know, if you. 
give him another five games or another ten games with the coaching and the system getting better, who knows what he'd be able to produce. Yeah. So I, I think that's what's exciting a little bit about him. That's why you know I'm I'm not quite as nervous about it you know if Sturridge was to get injured again and just going to the system right the, in terms of what it is and he is playing like it, it, it is predominantly a 4-2-3-1 that we've been playing w- without Sturridge um, and the best form of 4-2-3-1 we've ever played was under Rafa and if you remember the, the big thing there was that Kelt was a master mm. at arriving from the wide position in to become a second man in the box yeah. and of mm. <coughs> whoever has played there has not replicated those runs. Even Sterling doesn't replicate those runs. What Kelt used to do is he, he, he basically burst the gut from the right side across to the front post and it would allow the striker to bail off to the back post. So even if it was a save, it used to be, the horizon would be peeling off to the back post to, you know, to tap one in. And when you look at some of the balls that comes in, I do agree, like you'd imagine Balotelli's going to go and attack the front post there, right? But he doesn't. But at the same time, he's still only the only person that we had in the box. If you look around and you'd imagine with the, we need in, in that system, if we're breaking in, one of those three has to also become a second man in the box and that's not happening in the system. And that's either them needing to learn how to develop in and play in that system on a regular basis. But if we're going to revert away from that system when storage comes back in, then that's where the training ground has to come in. That Sterling and whoever's playing there has to learn to make those additional runs that when it goes wide on one side, it, they must burst their bollocks to get into the box and make and become a second striker in there alongside get, there. I think what happens is they get into the 18 yard box but then they pull back yep. so mm-hmm. they don't go into the 6 yard box like if they were playing exactly. it with the 2 up front because normally there'd be storage in, exactly. as well occupying so a few times we'd mm-hmm. have 6 players around the 18 yard box mm-hmm. you know, because everyone would break to get there and then everyone's waiting for the pullback yeah. and so many times Sterling or Moreno or Manquillo got to the byline and looked to pull it across the 6 yard box and there's no one there because everyone's waiting for the pullback so, but I, again because um, I'm an optimist, I think that can be coached. I think that's something that, you know, you say, you know, you, Rogers would be observing that and saying, well, you know, Markovic or Sterling or Lalana or Baratelli, you've got to attack that. You've got to be. I think, it can, be, be I, I think it can be coached, but I also think there's a level of instinct needed in certain players. And as much as people used to criticise Dorcout, and I, I, I'd criticise him as well, yeah. right? What he was brilliant at was that late run or yeah. that, that additional run that into the fun. box. And that's where he'd get mm-hmm. his 12, 15 goals from so many times. Yeah. Like even when you think about some of the big goals he scored, he was always just arriving there as the ball gets pulled in, as opposed to waiting there for when when it actually happens. It's like we're talking about formations again, <clears throat> and I think with Rogers, it should be just it should be just the idea and the philosophy that he has bet into the players now. When you play a four two three one, it's it should be a four three three going forward. You know, he should have three players in the box, mm. and he should have the wide man. You know, you have a good a good attacking fullback in Manquillo and Moreno. They're going to go forward. So, the, you know, you want your wide players getting out there and getting in and giving the striker a, a dig out. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're not crowding the box and your, no, and your number 10 should be in the box as well. Mm. So, Palatelli, he's big, he holds the ball up well and he's, he's plenty of skill. He can buy a player a bit of time to run mm. off him. Yeah, but they're, not, um, they're not doing it. So, it's not all his fault. No. And no. I mean, I can recognise that. I'm not going to bash Balotelli just because he not going to score a goal you know you mm. can see there's other things going on mm. that will you could do him a few favours depending on, on hopefully getting an improved lineup. Yeah. Um Ollie to focus on a couple more positives just before we start um, getting a bit more gloomy um, you'd have to say the two guys our two new um, full backs I mean Keo and Moreno were pretty phenomenal um, for, for, for a pair of kids um, you know starting with a new club they just they've just blended in seamlessly haven't they no, yeah, no, I completely agree. And they, you know, they look to be the answer to our fullback problems. You know, Moreno's obviously come in, and, and for his price as well, he's uh, he's done very, very well. And the same with Mankier. And you know, looking at their age, uh, it, it was a Merseyside derby. Their first one, they, they've come in and they've uh, they did very, very well indeed. Um, 
And uh, you know, it, it's credit to Brendan Rodgers and credit to, uh, to to the players themselves with, with their work rate. And uh, you know, they, they've been brought in. They're, they're very young, and um, they've just slotted in seamlessly. And, and you know, they're, they're pushing out. You know, players like Glenn Johnson, who are, <laughs> dare I say, it, experienced pros. So uh, they, they do look very, very good. And uh, hopefully, you know, they can uh, push on for the rest of the season. You can't really see Dave, can you? You can't really see Glenn Johnson. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for our listeners, Andy has discovered a can of helium. And not just a can of helium, like a, literally a Keller Kozengas sized can of helium. Which is now opening. <laughs> so we're, we're all going to die here. We? We're all going to die. Could you not go point the nozzle long. at me? <laughs> Could you not point the nozzle at me? <laughs> Holy shit. Stop flowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was good uh, uh, Dave we need to get cameras a <laughs> uh, uh, poor old mad Jose Enrique and, and, and Glenn they've got no chance of getting back in if these guys stay fit have they no I mean Johnson specifically has absolutely no chance you know how much we love Johnson on his show now but uh, <laughs> I thought Mankio was excellent yeah. I mean I, I prefer to talk about Moreno a little bit because they they targeted Moreno which actually was you know people talk about how smart um, Martinez is from a tactical perspective mm. but and I can understand why he puts Lukaku on Moreno because there's a big height advantage but after 10 minutes Moreno's worked him out absolutely got him in his pocket wins everything mm. so if Martinez is smart what he does then is he moves Lukaku either onto Skirtle because Skirtle can't win a battle or onto uh, Manquillo but he doesn't do that so Moreno was just phenomenal totally worked Lukaku out but not just because he was quicker than Lukaku which he was or he wasn't just nicking the ball off him he was winning physical battles with him mm. I mean he put Lukaku on his ass a few times mm. I mean once was a penalty but we'll yeah. skip over that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought Moreno was phenomenal <clears throat> I actually think Enrique did well against Middlesbrough to be fair to him I thought you meant just in a supporting capacity <laughs> on the bench yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. he does a good job he's, he's definitely the, the, the king of the social media element of our uh, of our playing staff but I mean I thought Enrique did well against Middlesbrough I would have I wouldn't have a heart attack if Enrique came back in now let's say against uh, against Basel <laughs> on, uh, on Wednesday I wouldn't I think I think he'd be fine mm. I'd have I'd have serious issues if we if we played uh, John Glenson instead of Mikeo though because I think I think Mikeo was really strong at right back yeah. Uh, yeah. in the derby Phil do you think there's any danger of, 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 of um, your favourite uh, John getting his game and more to, to, be, the point, to be honest with you I don't care um, what I want to talk about is basically how well Mankeo fits into our side well, right? because you know there's been talk about you know he doesn't offer much in, in an attacking capacity he was brilliant on Saturday mm. brilliant like we, we just talked about the ball that he puts in that you know that, that, that bisects the defence and you know if Sturridge is there it's probably a goal are we happy to play him every game of the season then <coughs> well, no, or, or no, but like, he's a kid you know, he doesn't care Trev he doesn't care yeah, that's, that's he just exactly wants to talk about he wants, he wants to talk about, about no I want I, I, I genuinely I think, <laughs> I, I think we should because you know there wasn't okay the result isn't great but there was some great performances there on Saturday given how poor the performance have been up until the derby since since Tottenham Hotspur, right? And we should be, you know, delighting on the fact that we've got two phenomenal fullbacks. And you know, I'd be saying more, you know, Flanagan is is the option once he's fit that to come back in to cover for when Mankio is there. And I'd have no issues with, with Flanagan going into the side if we need to give Mankio a rest. At the end of it, he's a nineteen year old kid, but that's phenomenal stuff from him. 
you know, we, we talked about his rashness when he, when he first signed for us. He was picking up yellow cards at the start. That's gone out of his game. The amount of crosses he blocks is just... Like, Baines, was, Baines and Morales was raiding down the side initially and then it was, it was so terrible to see Morales going off. And, um, <laughs> Morales was already in his pocket. But he was in his pocket. And, like, he was more than able to deal with Baines mm-hmm. through the actual game as well. And that's a 19-year-old kid who's never played in a Merseyside derby before. Yeah. You know, and, and that's... That, you know, he's, if, if we can sign him, I know he's on a two-year loan. If we, assume when we sign him, he could nail down that right-back position for the next five, six, seven years mm. and for as long as he wants, once his performance levels are that. We have not seen uh, as a complete right-back in our side since Arbeloa was in the team. Mm. But we've got four full-backs now that like a battle. Because mm. Enrique mm. likes a battle, yeah. Flanagan likes a battle, and the two kids we played on, on Saturday, they love a battle. So and I think that's, that's exciting. I can't remember the last time we had yeah. full-backs that liked the battle. And they help out the centre-backs because yeah. there isn't as many crosses coming into the box. They don't have to deal with that stuff. Yeah. You know like the good thing is you can't bring Flano in or you can't bring Enrique in you won't weaken the team an awful lot yeah. like you see uh, City rotating their fullbacks a lot like you'll see uh, Chelsea thinking around with their fullbacks you want to keep a, t- a partnership in the middle and then your goalkeeper and get them to know each other very well mm. and you can move, you can bring in and out your fullbacks if you want yeah. and give them a little rest because it is a tough job getting up and down yeah. the way Rogers has the team playing but I'm delighted with, uh, with them now Moreno was the was the one that focal everyone was focusing on because he, he was cost more and he, like he's more polished player but Jesus Aquilo's just been unbelievable yeah you know? yeah, it's been a lovely surprise yeah. just to finish out then with the positives um, we should mention uh, Jared. we could mention Henderson but to be perfectly honest the kid's just wonderful every game but um, I, I, I think you, you, you can't mention Gerard without mentioning Henderson because again Henderson was colossal for us, you know what I mean. The rest not having played a midweek definitely paid worked wonders oh, because he was, he was fresh, he yeah. was alive, and he was alert. And you know, Lalana and it was it was a toss up between Lalana and Henderson for man of the match for me. But I felt Henderson over ninety minutes probably just shaded a little bit because he he didn't have a dip at all. Some of his passing, some of his splitting defence, some of his pressing press- was just phenomenal. He was he was just everywhere. But he the, was the everywhere. passing followed on the back of the pressing <coughs> yeah. in several occasions, which is just wonderful. I know, and yeah. it, I think there was again just just sorry, before yeah. I jump in. You know, Lalana. We talked about what he was doing, right? But Lalana was 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 doing something that we seen that Henderson and Allen did towards the back end of last season, where Lalana was getting on and offering so much in attack. But he had the legs as well alongside Henderson yeah. mm. to get back and yeah. add another body in midfield when needed to be. And that frees Gerard because they couldn't just man mark Gerard because there was always two bodies there in front of the defence at any one stage, be it Lalana or Henderson. That's the difference, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So no, they, tried, they tried the man mark. They tried. Yeah. Like an Aisman ran at, ran, at him, ran at him a few times, and Gerard no problem. Mm. Uh, what's your, uh, there was one time where Henderson took a shot I think Howard caught it and then like you know they tried to break and Henderson kind of broke up the same attack twice like, mm. uh, like mm. and I mean it spanned about 60 yards it was ridiculous like yeah. the ground that he covered and like, mm. like we said as well as passing the one to Mankio that like oh, caught the, caught the along the right hand side of the ball, oh, and he put, uh, there, there was a pass to Sterling out on the left in the first half where I thought he hit it too early, hmm. but it just it was one of them where the defender thinks he's getting it. It's like oh bollocks, no, I'm not. No, and they, and slide like, rope, beautiful. Yeah, it was like just just brilliant. I just I just thought he was colossal all around. Like I mean, uh, I, I'm going to be controversial and say I didn't think Jero was great. Oh, I, I think goal aside, he was out of the game. He was just anonymous. And I think what happened is, I I agree with Andy that they tried to man mark him. But I think what he did is he just walked away. Henderson dropped between the centre-backs and picked the ball up and Henderson ran the game. Mm. So I thought Henderson was immense. And I think the reason we think that Jared, well, the reason I think people think Jared had a good game is A, he scored, and B, he wasn't as impacted by the pressing as he was in the previous two games. But I think that's because Henderson drops and says, OK, well, press me then. 
you know, if you're going to press, try and press me, and you won't be, you know, you, you can't catch me, like, you know. Yeah. So I didn't actually think Gerrard was that great. I thought, you know, he scored a great goal, um, and he wasn't, he wasn't a liability or anything like that. And, you know, he had an okay game, but I think he was made to look much, much better because of how good Henderson was. Controversial from well, Mr. Well, he didn't. He got, a, he got a bit of an easy ride. Like, they, everything didn't offer much, mm. you know. He got a bit of an easy game, and <laughs> it's that. not often. Like yeah, and Derby is going to be that easy for Gerard. Mm. So yeah, I just don't think that. I guess my point is rather that I don't think people should think the Gerard issue is solved because I don't think it is. I think that well, the issue is going to do is going to be about the games played. Well, I I also think it's a system thing. I think I think we can play four two three one, but I don't think we can play it with Gerard mm. unless Henderson has that game. Every week, yeah. and I don't think he's going to have that game every week. Yeah. So I, I still think there's an issue there. I think Jared's better in these games. Right? I think these games kind of focus him, like the games like these and Spurs. And mm. like I remember him being, I remember being impressed with him at Old Trafford last yeah. year. That was a yeah. real kind of mature midfield performance mm. for you mm. know when he was still kind of learning that role. I think it's in other games where we're kind of expecting to be on top that he gets kind of complacent, like like we saw against Ludo Goritz, where you know for their goal mm. he's yeah. just he's jogging up the field for some reason, like yeah. you're past the halfway line. I think it's games like this where he, where he's real focused. Like and he, mm. he kind of he really has his head screwed on, but yeah. he, he doesn't struggle as badly. Yeah, well, I I, I suppose um, that kind of leads us in because it's a bit shady. Just, just just before because <clears throat> we haven't mentioned it, the the free kick for the goal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh nice, yeah. Let's let's be honest about it. Like, you, you can't talk about that match without the the free kick. Now, whatever about no matter how poor Howard was on the actual free kick, because like he should save it. He gets a full hand behind he it, right? And he's more concerned with diving into the bar than he is mm-hmm. about saving the actual goal itself. Mm-hmm. But listen, the the technique to get it up over the wall. And back down to it, like, and when you look where it drops in, it's not dropping in, you know, under the bar. It's dropping in at a, at a lovely spot in the, in the actual goal. It's about two yards below the actual bar itself. He's gotten so much dip on the actual free kick. Mm. It's it's a phenomenal strike. You know what I mean? And it's 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 really worth celebrating in terms of how good that strike was. And you know, for he and and rightfully so, his his set pieces have been criticised because they haven't been great this season so far but that was such a good moment and it was a typical Gerard moment in the derby to step yeah. up and, and yeah. find your form hitting it again best, yeah. celebra- best celebration of his since uh, Crazy Old Trafford years ago mm. I mean where he's just he's just smirking as he's sliding I mean just on a goalkeeper though I think I think Courtois heads that away <laughs> do you know what I mean I think it's at that type of height that I think he heads that out of the goal never mind saves it I thought it was a terrible yeah, save you him. could see a lot of relief in a celebration there he, yeah. he, he reads and he, fe- he feels that pressure and he yeah. knows people are talking about him and you're seeing him with the with the fucking ears out yeah yeah um, but yeah the free, the free like his delivery hasn't been great from you know them crossy free kicks but he just he hit that like one of them crosses yeah. didn't he the whip on it um, was class and we we hadn't seen a lot of Gerrard's freeze over the last couple of years because Suarez was like taking freeze like penalties mm. but um, it's, it's nice to see him back doing it again the Lana's corners were crap by the way <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd try to end well yeah. they were he, he's, he's definitely got the Liverpool corner book yeah, yeah. 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 they're not beating the fourth man that's beside us Ali what was your take on the captain on the day um, well, I, I, I think he was obviously, you know, it, it was a big game from step up at the most side derbies. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a massive game for him personally as it is. Uh, I, I agree with the fact that you know Henderson probably did help. You know, he, he did assist him a little bit, and uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't. I wouldn't say underperformed, but he, he wasn't. He, other than the goal itself, he, he wasn't. You know, a shining light. And uh, but you know, there's a lot of criticism being given to Steven Gerrard, and I think he's. Uh, you know, he's still a, a very, very important player for us on and off the pitch. Uh, at the end of the day, he's our captain, um, and you know, there aren't too many players. 
that could have done what he did against Everton. Um, that's that's, it, that's ten goals now, Ollie, uh, in Merseyside derbies, I believe, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, exactly, very, very impressive. And, and it, it's also, you know, as Stephen Gerrard said himself, it's it's about options, and uh, and, and Stephen Gerrard is, is a different option from free, from uh, set pieces. And I, I think it's very good for himself as well, because you know he said after the game. You know, you know, he had a couple of a couple of bad games, and everyone's written him off. So, uh, it's for him personally, it was, it was very important. He answered his critics, and uh, you know that that free kick would have would have done him some justice. Absolutely, um, Phil. To change tone and tack completely, um, it seems like I'm setting you up a bit here. Um, but you know, like you said earlier on, I don't care. Um, Markovic, talk to me about Markovic. Now, you said things to me about Markovic that you probably you probably might want to. Sort of filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, give me, give me your thoughts on Markovic. It's about time you spoke your mind in this podcast. <laughs> Stop holding back, Phil, will you? Jesus. Um, yeah, frustrated. Frustrates the hell out of me. Absolutely frustrates the hell out of me. I was really looking forward to seeing Markovic, the player we were, to- we were told about. Um, and when I saw him against... Man City, I was a bit critical of, of the one performance he put in in pre-season. People saying, look, you can't judge him on, on one performance, you know, and then he gets injured. And I said, right, fair enough. But comes on against Man City and he looked, he had a bit of balls about him, was prepared for the fight. You know, people have been talking that he needed to bulk up. He came on and he was bashing the, the City defenders when he comes on. They've obviously substituted him then for his windy twin brother because since then, I've never seen a fella get pushed off the ball as easy since Stuart Downing was at the club, right? Mm. Um, and... You know, I'm not writing them off. Far from it. But I'm just saying, in the performances... You ripped them off five games ago. <laughs> no, I'm not writing them off. What I want to see is I want to see the, the same player that came on against Manchester City. Now, Andy made a point after the City game that, it, you know, coming on against City when you're 3-1 down, um, it's a different story to coming on when it's one all or one nil or nil all, and you need somebody to, to make an influence on the game. And for, I, I'm just worried about the mentality here because he has to not be afraid to make a mistake. And at this moment in time, he's afraid to make a mistake. And a lot of the things in, in the fear of him playing reminds me of the way Downing played for us. The way he runs in straight lines, the way he doesn't seem to, you know, take on defenders. He's, he's, he get, goes up to a defender, turns, plays the ball back and plays it safe. I want him being aggressive in the way he plays. The one thing I'll say about Jordan Oip, who we've sent out on loan, is that even when he came on, no matter what it, you know, what it was, he was prepared to take a player on and was fearless in his mm-hmm. game. Like he had a point to prove every time he went onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. And that's what the one thing about Raheem Sterling, even when he was being poor, he went out fearless and tried to take on the opposition in terms of what he was doing. And that's what I want to see from Markovic. I don't mind if he goes on, takes a lad on and loses the ball. At least he's trying to, to, trying to do it. The, the one-on-one in the second half when the ball goes over the top and he's, he's, he's straight clear and you know he, he's, he has bags of pace which, we, which we've seen he should just burn your man for a rubber but instead he gets caught up in the <laughs> and it's just it's just shrugged off the ball and it, your man doesn't even do anything overtly physical with him mm. he just gives him a little shrug and Markovic is all over the place mm. he was like Bambi on ice when he went through like, do you know what mm. I mean and a couple of times he tried to turn players and they just pushed him out they weren't even pushing him they just brushed him aside yeah, a he, got a shoot. he got a bit unlucky that, that ball come up and hit his knee you know, if Andy, that misses his knee, he has it under control. I, I don't know. Andy, look, all I know is that every time he seemed to get on the ball, he was just shrugged aside by, by Everton. Now, it, that, you know, I, I, I can admire Rodgers putting him in and not, not being afraid to put him in because he's obviously seen the kid in training and has seen what he's capable of doing. Mm. But we used to hear the same thing about Downing, that he, was, he would be wonderful in training and then he'd go out into the pitch and he'd be scared, right? Mm. He'd basically be just a fearful player when he's on the pitch. All I want to see is Markovic come out with the same fearless mentality as he had in the Manchester City game and just believe in himself because he looks like a player who has no belief in what he's going to do and unfortunately when you come with a t- price tag of over 20 million quid which he has he has to hit the ground running because we don't 
we aren't a team like Chelsea who can spend 20 quid, 20 million quid, 20 quid, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 20 million quid on a player and then loan him out to another side for two or three years. Yeah. We need him to come in and be an immediate part of the squad. I'm not saying a fourth team player, but we need him to be an immediate but Phil, part of the squad. But Phil, what about the shout that like it, like it is really early days. He's played bits and pieces in games. That was his first start. And maybe he just, maybe he just had a bad day. Well, he's had a bad day every time he's come on the pitch then. He played against Middlesbrough and he, he didn't even stand out. Hmm. Started against Villa as well. And he started against Villa. So I, I, I don't I I think he's got more timid as he's played. But you've got to remember, right? Against Villa he tries a volley from twenty five yards out yeah. from across. Like he's never scored you know, that's balls to take you know, in terms of trying things. You're saying he doesn't try things, I'm saying he does. Look, I'm totally on the fence with him. I'm not saying he's gonna be a world beater. The club clearly feel he is. Rogers clearly has faith in him because he's playing him. Um, when he has other options not to play him. I think he lacks a bit of physicality, but I think that comes. I think, again, I'm repeating myself, I said the same about Balotelli. It's five games in. He didn't have pre-season. He had an injury. It's a brand new league. He's 20 years old. I think it could take six months. Who knows? Um, the question of whether we can afford that or not is a different thing. That's that's not necessarily about him as a player. That's more about our strategy as a club as mm. to whether you know we could have afforded to take a risk on a player who could take six months to develop but for me the parallel is Lamella at Spurs you know comes in with a big reputation young player um, quick and struggles to adapt to the physicality of the league and now you look at Lamella playing for Spurs against uh, you know I watched him against Arsenal Saturday he was very good he was you know running their attack in play him and Ericsson so I think that I hope it doesn't take as long I don't think it will and I think that again Rodgers has shown that he can coach and develop and improve players pretty rapidly, pretty quickly when he gets the time with them and he clearly believes in the kids. So I know you're not I know you're not writing them off, but there are a lot of people writing them off and there's a lot of people saying that it's a waste of money and it's this and it's that and he's and, and I I don't agree with the downish out for loads of reasons. But that's me, fine. That's fine. No, no, that's fine. But <laughs> I'm not wrong. You know, Stuart Downey was a 26 year old England. I don't care what they are. If they have no balls, they have no balls. Yeah, but I don't agree with the Markovic doesn't have, have balls. I think we've <laughs> got to give him time. I think, and any ju- any judgment can be made on whether he's had a good performance or not because he hasn't and I think that's fair to say mm. but anything more definitive than that is too early to say uh, um, I, As I said, look I don't want him to fail I yeah, want no, him to succeed right? <clears throat> My only worry is again, it comes back to time do we have time? For me, it's, it's all wrapped into the same thing we spent a lot of money we've just talked about the fact that we needed another player like storage to play for when storage inevitably missed. And like you think maybe that money could have been spent on that. And that's not to take away from Markovic. And that's not to say, but that comes back, as you said, to the strategy of terms of what we were signing and who was signing. And can we afford to bet in a young player like that when we've already gotten, th- th- I suppose what sort of gets to me a bit is the fact that we have got Jordan Oibe, who, who who's been brilliant for us when he's played. And we do have Suso after coming back on a loan spell, who when he came on against Middlesbrough, Look twice the player that Markovic has performed, and that's not to say Markovic can't be better than Suso. I'm just saying in terms of where they are in their development right stage, mm. and what we need in, in yeah. and, and and that was one of the things when I said at the start we needed players that when we were signing players we needed players for now because they have to go in and be part of a squad that's in Champions League and is going to play a lot of games. Mm. And I'm just not sure can we afford to loan out? And I'm just taking it. Say he struggles up to Christmas, right? Mm. Then inevitably the cause will be well he needs to get a loan spell or something like that so he gets used to the, the physicality and the pace in the league. Can we afford then to loan out a £20 million player to let him adjust to the, to the league? 
there's going to be immense pressure down on the shoulders. What about but I think, that? I think a lot of the, sorry, just one point. I think a lot of the, uh, no, this isn't even about Markovic, but a lot of the assessment of our transfer business is obviously coloured by what's happened in the first six, six or seven games, right? You know, if Coutinho's on form, Asturias doesn't get injured, Markovic doesn't play. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. now it looks like it's a, it's a risk or it's a high-risk transfer because Sturridge hasn't, you know, been fit and Alan isn't fit and Jean isn't fit and you know Balotelli hasn't fired and Coutinho's off form so all of these things have come together which have exposed us but it could, could have quite easily gone the other way which is Coutinho carries through his pre-season form Markovic doesn't start he's having little cameos here and there he's coming into a winning side do you know what I mean it could go well, completely that's, different that's pretty much uh, Ollie, um give us your thoughts on, on Markovic and then maybe lead us into a little bit of a chat about um, Ricky Lambert and his contribution as well Oh well, I, you know, Mark is obviously. I think he's just a little bit lost, to, to be honest with you. You know, he, he's not positive in his play. He doesn't look like he's imposing himself on the game. And you're right. You know, when he came on against Manchester City, for, you know, that, that five or ten minutes, he, he did look very, very impressive. But he's just kind of gone off the pace. But I, I think to some extent, you know, we, we can't really get stuck into him that much. You know, he is only 20 years old at the end of the day. He's adapting to a, a new league, which which is a very, very difficult league to adapt to, the, the Premier League. And, uh, you know, not just that, a new culture and, and a new team. And it, it will take time. But uh, I, I don't personally think we can afford to... Uh, to, to let a twenty million pound man go out on loan, I, I, I just don't think that's. Uh, I think that's too big of a risk, and it, it's not what we uh, we brought him in for. But uh, for me, I, I'd probably take him out of the firing line for for a couple of weeks and just let him feel his way in from the bench. I think uh, there's plenty of time for him to to make his mark, and you know we, we've got a, a hell of a lot of squad depth, so we, we've got players to to play his position. Um, but uh, you know, you know, it, the only problem with that is is his price tag. But I think you know when you buy a player that that young, you're always going to have to give him time to settle in. Um, and, and we're just going to have to see how that one goes. And, and in terms of Ricky Lambert, um, you know, everyone obviously thought when he came to the club, it was it was a great signing, and it was a it was a really you know personally for him it was fantastic. But he just doesn't seem to offer anything. He doesn't seem to be very effective when he comes off the bench. He seems to be trying too hard. Uh, I, I went to the Middlesbrough game the other week, and uh, he obviously got his first start in that. And for me, he, he didn't he didn't do anything. He doesn't offer us anything, and it's a shame because you know he's, he's the kind of player you want to see do well because he's obviously a scouser and he's a local lad and all that. But uh, for me, he, he just he just he's ineffective and he, he doesn't offer anything for us. And uh, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier when we took Balotelli off, you know, bringing Lambert on, that there just was no outlet. And uh, you know, I, he's obviously asked you know Liverpool to uh, to step up his training regime and, and to get his fitness back, but. Uh, it might just be one of those occasions whereby you know the occasion is is just purely getting the better of him. Yeah, um, Paul, that's fair, isn't it? He did seem like it's ridiculous, really, but he did seem almost you know intimidated or overawed in the couple of minutes that he did have to contribute, like he did uh, when he got the start there in the week against Middlesbrough. Yeah, the the thing that really strikes me is that like we're half a dozen games into the season and we played in some other competitions and he still doesn't look kind of fit enough to play mm. like when you saw him for Southampton we knew he wasn't like he's not storage like he's not going to be running around everywhere but he wasn't this immobile for Southampton he, like he could get around the pitch mm. and like when you see him now he's like he's really struggling like it, if I'm to play devil's advocate I think it's been over-egged this impact that, on Saturday I think like because I think at, at that stage I think Balotelli was kind of flagging toward like for the kind of about the five minutes before he came off. I don't think Lambert coming on had this huge impact where we were suddenly falling back. I think there was a few times where Balotelli was only forty yards from his own goal and he was kind of trotting around. He looked I, th- I thought he looked tired and um, but yeah Lambert 
I, like his, this this fitness like to be saying you know like a fair bit into the season that he needs more training like this is the stuff that I used to slag Wayne Rooney over you know when he came when he used to come back fat from preseason <laughs> yeah. and Ferguson would be eight eight games yeah, into yeah. the season saying we need to give him games to get him fit like they, this is the thing that's really bothering me like because like we knew Lambert's not a world beater we thought he'd like come in and do a job for us but and like the one thing you were expecting was oh well he's going to grasp this with both hands and he, he just looks kind of unfit to me like, yeah. rather rather than being like like rather than bottling it I think he just looks really unfit and really clunky and like really like not sharp at all mm. okay well, that's pretty much a natural end to that then mm-hmm. Okay, well, what we're going to try and do here is preview both the Basel and West Brom games together. Um, so we'll just have a look uh, forward at what we think um, we're going to look like in those two games. We'll start off with, I suppose, a fairly relevant question, which is um, Stephen Jarrett and his selection. Um, whether he's going to be selected for both games, should be selected for both games. Um, Andy, where do you stand on that, given um, that he's played the weekend? And I think he'll start both games 100%. We might try and take him off in one or the other, mm. depending on how the Basel game goes. Do you think he's going to do a Brendan and just start him in both? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like, wh- where do you stand on that personally? What's your take uh, on that? Like, do you think that's staffed? I think it's up to a manager and the team, coaching team around them and the medical staff and all to assess whether Gerard is capable of playing. Have we not seen already that he's maybe not? No, we have, yeah. yeah. But, I, but it, I mean, I can't, I can't say Gerard is is going to be fit to play both games mm. depending on how he's feeling this week or what way um, but personally I think he'll start both games mm. how I feel about it I, I don't know I need, I need to see Liverpool sort of take him in and out of the team to, to decide how he exactly. you know what I mean like I think I think as bad as he can be and how 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 you know the things we've criticised him over let's see Liverpool without him yeah. you know Dave that's a possibility now with some people back in training well, yeah, I think Alan and John came back today, albeit didn't like training, so they won't play against Basel. But I think Jared will start against Basel. I would drop him for, well, not drop him, rest him is a better way to put it. I'd rest him against West Brom if either of those players are fit that mm. I would I would bring him back. I mean, I'd even I'd even be tempted to play, if we're going to go 4-2-3-1, uh, play Lucas and Henderson as a two. Because I think Lucas showed against Middlesbrough with Rossiter beside him that he's okay in a two. He's just not okay in a two with Gerard. Um, but I think I, I'm kind of with Andy. I think sooner or later we've got to see what does Liverpool look like with Gerard not in the team but not injured, mm. as in on the bench. Mm. No inclination so far that, that Brandon agrees with you in any way, no, shape, or form. And he look, you know, I can totally see why he's 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 dogmatic about it. We. We won so many games last season with Jared playing at the base of the midfield. He had a slow start the last two seasons. He, you know, Rogers probably figures he's having a slow start again. You play him through it. He's Stephen fucking Jared. I totally get why he starts, but I think that you know we we have to, he has to pick and choose games that he doesn't have to play Jared in. So personally, I would drop him for West Brom, and I. I think there's a chance Rogers does that. I think it's a chance he rests. Isn't that a strategy you agree with, Phil? No, um, I think the West Brown game is too important for us. Mm. I, I think we need a win. Um, it's another home match. Um, we've only won one home match all season in, in 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 the Southampton game, the opening game of the season. And if we want to be in Champions League next year, we have to win our home matches. Um, and we need to start picking up points. And if it was to prioritise either of the games, West Brown would be the would be the priority for me. Um, 
going away to Basel, the, you know, I'm looking at who do, who's available because that's obviously key to, to what's going on. And as much as I'm not a fan of, of, of the current player as he is at the moment, I'd be happy enough to start Lucas in, in the match in, out in Basel in terms mm. of what's there. Um, and then, build, you know, have Henderson alongside him because Henderson, I think, is capable of playing the two games. And then whatever way we want to go from, from there with the rest of the actual midfield. But I think, again, my focus anyway will be getting the three points against West Brom and starting to build. We, we drew the, the derby. You know, we, we've, we've um, let's go and win our next league match and put three points on the board and, and get into double figures for the season because we are, we're seven games in. We've, you know, we're six games in. We've only got seven points on the board. We need to get, you know, we need to start putting points on the board very quickly to get back to Andy's favour is, is two points a game. Um, target and we always said like you'll judge them after ten games. If we can win the next four games, we're on nineteen points at the ten game mark, which would put us just below the two points a game mm, mark, mm. Um, yeah. which, ha- which would have us back more or less on track. Yeah, for but it. look at it. We're three points behind top four. I think there's two two teams on Tord and Fort that are three points ahead of us. I have to look at the table and boy, that's the way I thought it was anyway. Um, I mean, if we had two points per game, we'd be we'd be well in the mix there. So yeah. we're not too far behind. Well, what about this notion? I think was it yourself that floated it, um, Phil, about the idea that a defeat against West Brom and you know then people can start using words like crisis. Uh, like yeah, Phil was using crisis a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, he was uh, having a bad weekend. I don't think it's quite quite a crisis at all. Uh, it's it's a bad run. It's a bad patch. It's something we need to work and get through. Um, a draw or a loss against West Brom, yeah, I mean, it's going to start getting sour in the media. It'd be interesting to see what way Rogers responds to that and what the team responds. We already had a player walk out. Um, you know, stuff like that, it just, the bad, the time and the things like that, it's just, you just don't want them things. You don't want Liverpool all of a sudden uh, with the media heavily focusing on how, how it's going. At the moment, mm. I think most people believe Liverpool are going to come through this like we can afford to draw against Basel would be a good result but mm. I mean three points the weekend I agree with Phil is, is absolutely essential now mm. Do you think a draw is attainable out there in Basel against uh, against that lot without Stephen Gerrard Paul? It should be yeah I'd be, I don't want to see him play the whole game against Basel I want to see him I want to see Rogers kind of coming with, with Alan coming back as well I want to see him going into this on our next weekend which is the more important game I'd say I want them to go in there with as many options as possible mm. rather than kind of thinking well Gerrard's played 90 minutes against Basel and now I don't know if Alan's fully fit so um, yeah, it's like you'd, I'd rather kind of give Lucas the go during the week against Basel than have to put him in and see how he does mm. on the weekend mm. so, um, so, so can I ask a question right, just generally is Gerrard and Henderson a better midfield against West Brom than Henderson and Allen in the two. Let's say Allen's fit. Because you're saying the West Brom <clears throat> game's the most important game. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that because it's the most important game, we need our best side and Gerrard's in our best side mm-hmm. with everyone fit? No, but Allen won't be won't, won't be 100% fit come the weekend. Mm. So that, 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 that's my logic on it. If, 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 if Allen was fit enough to play 60 minutes tomorrow night, let's yeah. say, right? If, if Allen was fit one game earlier, then, I, yeah, Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I just because in my head, I, I'm perhaps assuming that someone else can play that game. Yeah, you know, and and maybe that's maybe that's wrong. I'm assuming that Alan will be ready for 30 minutes on Saturday. Yeah, let's yeah, say yeah. right, and then you're looking at potentially how Henderson reacts after playing game, game, game after after the week's rest, um, and also then like we are still quite limited in terms of centre midfielders because of the injured injuries yeah, to Chan yeah, as well, yeah. and potentially you could. Worst case scenario, I, I don't know how Coutinho gets on, or you know, you're looking at Lana as well. Lana will be coming off 
you know, playing the, the, the League Cup game, the previous league game, the, the derby at the weekend, Lallana has to start for me against Basel because of, of where we are at the moment in terms of squad. Then he's going into his fourth game in the space of two weeks. Uh, at the weekend and that's when you might need you know somebody like Alan then to be able to come in and do the last 30 minutes as part of his drive back to fitness as well yeah. so when I'm just looking at it I'm, I'm stacking up as to who's likely to play mm. and who's, a, who's fit and available to play so that's what I'd play Lucas in, in the Basel match and then I'd have Gerard fit and ready to go at the weekend because I think getting that those three points like I, I, everyone would take a draw because it's, it's a good way of running your, your European campaign win your home matches you know, take something from the away matches and you get out of the group. Speaking of lads who are fit and available to play, I know we had kind of contrasting opinions on how Coutinho did when he came on um, at the weekend. Um, he would be a shoo-in, wouldn't he, for starting now uh, against Basel and hopefully then a little bit of form to take him into the weekend. Well, this, that to me depends on, on, on what way we go again. Mm. Um, it's all about you know, w- what you're looking at. You weren't too impressed with his contribution at the weekend? No, I, I didn't think he played particularly great, but then he's coming off a spell of not playing at all and there's a lack mm. of match sharpness and all that goes on there. So that's part of it as well, you know. Mm. Um, I, all, all, all I'm seeing is that, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Sue, so I'd like to see him get a, get a run against Basel. I think when he came on, he was, he was a difference against Middlesbrough and I wouldn't have an issue with him going in, but the likelihood is we'll see Coutinho come back into that midfield. And again, a Coutinho-Henderson Lucas midfield with Lalana in there as well is a very strong midfield as we go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Paul, looking ahead then to this um, Champions League match, what's what's the likely eleven? Um, well, I'd go for probably more or less the same defence. Maybe give Jose a game and Moreno a rest. Moreno, like he had a kind of big game against Lukaku in midfield. I would probably go in midfield. I'd probably go for Lucas. I'd probably play Henderson again and maybe drop Coutinho in there, or or maybe no, maybe play Lalana in front of them and drop Coutinho out left and rest or rest Sterling for Sunday because for Sunday I want I want the the biggest possibility of him and Sturridge and Balotelli playing together, Sterling, Sturridge and Balotelli. Have you seen signs of in, in Sterling of maybe needing a rest? Is, is that what you're suggesting? I don't know. Well, we don't know. Obviously, in Rodgers' first season, he was protecting him a lot. Yeah. But I, we don't know. We, we don't know physically what he's what he needs. Mm. Like for because he's 19, it's hard to tell. Uh, but and me- mentally, I don't think he need. I don't think we need to worry about that anymore. I yeah. think he's one of our top players now. And um, I, I probably I just want. That's like like I said for West Brom. I want our best midfield available, and I want I want Rodgers to be able to pick from Gerrard. That's why I want him rested, and I want the biggest possibility of playing Sturridge, Balotelli, and Sterling together. That's why I want Sterling rested, and then Balotelli will probably have to play against. Uh, Basel, unless you want to go for Lambert, <laughs> we've just absolutely came. So. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't see the point in playing Lambert at the moment. So you probably would have to. Would you, would, would you tend to row in behind that in terms of prioritisation? Yeah, I think Rogers is going to just like we were talking there. I think Rogers will see the West Brown game as the bigger game. Yeah. He'll, uh, he'll, in his own mind. He's going to kind of predict if Sturridge is going to be fit and who's going to be fit. Is Alan going to be fit? And he pick his Basel team from there. Mm. And I think there's a few absolutes going to probably you know be in the team. I think Coutinho definitely plays. Yeah. Um, he, after that, then it's it's like it's like you know the Borough game. He would have had the derby in mind. I'm pretty much anyone he could get away with not playing. 
that he was going to play in the derby, he played against Middlesbrough. Yeah. Now he'd be looking at the Basel game as a more difficult game, but he will also know that he can play far to play Lucas. I'm not taking anything away from the Champions League, but I think Lucas is going to struggle more in the Premier League than the Champions League. It's a bit slower in the Champions League, and would you leave Lucas that defense okay. intact for the two games? Um, you know, the idea of them. I don't know up. what to fucking do now because of the Sacco problem. Yeah. Like I don't know what it is away back for him now, especially this week. Yeah. Um, but I would have probably played him. Well, assuming that that is his preferred uh, choice of centre halves, would you would you be inclined to play them across the two games? You would. Um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Skirtle's only coming back and. Lover needs Lover needs to stay in the team. I mm. think just to just to find his feet more. Yeah. Um. But if you wanted to leave a player out, like you would like in the see Sacco come back in. But realistically, he probably stick with Scotland and Lover and hope they don't have too much to do. Yeah. Um. Dave. Um. Maybe let's think a little bit about the opposition then that we're going to be facing in the Champions League match. Um. What 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 do you uh, what do you know about um, Paulo Sousa's um, Basel team? Well, to be fair, they they they're obviously in the Champions League regularly. You know, they they're the most successful side in Switzerland. They they've scared a couple of teams over the last couple of years. I mean, I remember going to Chelsea. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, and uh, you know, giving them a bit of a scare. Mm. I I remember back when they knocked us out of the Champions League. You know, about ten years ago, mm. uh, under Hulé. They dumped um, United out a few years ago, didn't they? They, they dropped United yeah. out of there. So they got pedigree. I mean, they, we should we should qualify ahead in them I, I almost said we should win I don't think that's necessarily true I think going away in Europe is always always a tough game um, well, We found it tough against Ludogratz at home so yeah, that's, I, yeah. don't th- I don't think this game is a is a must win even a must draw I, th- you know, I, I don't think a loss is an absolute disaster mm. um, so I, I think we'll go I think we can probably go quite conservative I don't think Rodgers will ever go totally conservative but I think he might play uh, Henderson, Gerard, and Lucas in the midfield, and play Coutinho left, Markovic right, and Balotelli uh, through the middle. Um, a little bit more solid, a bit more experience in the midfield. I don't see him not playing Gerard. I think Gerard's going to play, but it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, Basel are going to be tough. I mean, if if Ludogorets were the whipping boys and we we struggled against them, yeah. Basel are going to be no fools. They're used to winning at home. They well set up. Sousa's a very good defensive coach. Um, you know he he knows the English game. He's you know he's played here. He's managed here. So they're not going to be any mugs. I think it's going to be a tough game. Full mm. fair 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 observations. Yeah yeah, much change from the team that played against Chelsea and did so well against them last year. Um, with with Moriak and the manager going off to Spartak Moscow. Um, you know they they've got decent defenders. They've got um Granit Xhaka's brother playing alongside Fabian Sharon. They've often played with three three of the back while while he's there. And you know they they've got. Quality. They they lost their goalkeeper Jorgen Sommer to um, Brunch and Munch at Gladbach this year. They brought in a Czech guy who's the number two to Petr Cech, um, who's meant to be decent enough, if not at the same level as Sommer is at this moment in time. Um, and then I suppose the only thing is up front. They've got a lot of goals in their in their own domestic league, um, so you probably expect them to put a put something up against us, you know, mm. and, and test their defence. Um, and that's the only that that would be my key concern in terms of, of what's there. Um, apart from that, like again, you're, you're looking at a team that you would see as possibly mid-table Premiership team um, in terms of what they are. And your your worry there is that we've struggled against mid-table Premiership <laughs> teams this year. Um, yeah, exactly. And again, we've got a mid-table Premiership team to play at the weekend. Mm. Well, they're above us at the moment, but like you know, the, we should be seeing it. They'll probably they'll come at us. What we need to do then is. Revert to you know maybe be a bit conservative and try play them on the break. Mm. 
the only issue as we said if we leave Sterling out you lose the pace that we have on the side um, and then we don't have storage to play off the shoulder if, you, if you're playing that way so you, you, you'll need whoever supporting Balotelli to be able to get up and get past him because he'll he be looking for balls around the corner to play on from there as well so they'll offer a threat it's up to us to show that we've got a bit of the class again um, and, and, and take on from Everton, even if it's a change side. So if it is Markovic, especially in the wake of the conversation we've had here, as Dave suggested, it might be a, another start for him. Um, it's, be, it's a, it's a, it is it's an a opportunity, chance. right? It's an opportunity. Like I was saying, it's an opportunity for him to, to, to you know, be fearless in this game mm. and you know, use his talents, not be pushed off the ball. It'll, he'll probably find it less physical than, say, if he was playing in the, in the Premiership, which should probably suit his st- skill set a lot more and we should hopefully see a performance out of him should he start again and give us that bit of pace as I said if he, if he attacks the way we're talking about if, if, if we're in a, a 4-2-3-1 or something and he's attacking off the flank get in and don't be afraid to pull the trigger and get the shots away I'd switch flanks though I'd move him to the left well, flank yeah because he did play left yeah. side when he was up I think go, uh, keeping him right flank is just I, I don't think that's getting the best out of him I understand why we, do, why we did it on Saturday because we wanted Sterling to go up against him but, but uh, I, you know I'd have a look at him on the left hand side yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, maybe I think I think Philip Degen is injured. Though, strangely enough, is he? Yeah, oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Andy, he got us, injured today. Told us over a leaf hit him in the toe. Yeah. <laughs> talk to us about our next opponents after that, um, which is West Brom. Um, we've taken also the, known as Sunderland Two. Mark, two. Give, give us an idea. Craig Gardner, Stefan Sessegnon. Like, um, well, they fucking had a good result yesterday, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Bardino, Bardino, how, how do you say Bar- it? Bar- Bar- he, his cause was problems before, and he, he seems to be scoring goals this season. So it's it's fucking one of those like they come to Anfield and score early. And it's just going to be a nightmare. Hmm. Yeah, I look, I have, I have nightmares of West Brom. Yeah, because I, I, I was at I was at the West Brom. As I told you before, I was at the West Brom game when Hodgson was in charge. Oh, Every time I see us play, playing against, I can't wait for them to get relegated. Yeah. <laughs> but I just don't. Want, I don't want to see West Brom in the league. Really? Yeah. yeah. You've was, never, it, uh, was it about opening day of the season as well? They beat us three 0 Steve Clark was the was had just taken over. As, as whereas I saw last season's one was just brilliant. Like that's nothing but good memories. Yeah, yeah. The whole match with Sturridge's chip and all that malarkey, yeah. Yeah. lovely yeah. stuff, you know. And Ben Foster always seems to put in a performance against us. He doesn't can't put in a performance against anyone else, but he always seems to put in a performance against us. Yeah, he's a fucking rat. I remember that <laughs> <laughs> save against Suarez last season yeah. at the Hawthorns. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And then then they've got fucking Jonas Olsen. Yeah, with the original yard dog, which oh. we were talking about last year. He's oh. a complete Donald Suarez now to give him a nightmare. That's true. Yeah, That's but like true. you just, I hate Jonas Olsen. Hate him. Well, uh, well the thing is, Bal- Balotelli well could get on his fucking wick, like, and, and Balotelli's he's kept himself, like, he, he's gotten involved in a few arguments, but he, like, he keeps control of it, like. And Paul, whereas, we, we'd be hoping to see Sturridge for a little while alongside Balotelli, so yeah. between the two of them, they might give him a bit of a torrid time. You'd hope so, yeah. Like, Bal- Balotelli can wind them up while Sturridge runs in behind them. It's so crucial we win this game. But, but it's, it is. I know, I, know, I know we've drifted off the, the, the Champions League match, but look, the, the West Brom game is so important. At yeah. this moment in time, in terms of what's gone on before, no, us. we we moved on to West Brom. I know, but I'm just saying. I, 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 <laughs> no, but we haven't we haven't paid much attention to the Basel game. But it's just because West Brom. You don't fuck all about. It. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want us to do? Can't make shit up. No, but like it, it, the West Brom game is so important to us at this yeah. stage. Given given results that have gone on, given the home form that we've had at this stage, it's just so important for us to get. Well, to it is because there's Brom. another bloody break afterwards. Yeah. But I think that's why it's even more. <clears throat> we've we've got to get through the West Brom game, right? Because by the time we come back from the internet, assuming, and it's a big assumption, but assuming players don't get injured on international duty, suddenly we yeah. come back, we've got four winnable games, we've got Sturridge fit, Jean fit, Alan fit, everyone fit, all of a sudden squad 
looks fuller, looks a bit meatier. Mm. You know, Rogers has had time with the players that won't go on international duty, the likes of Markovic, the likes of Balotelli to stay, to work on him. Lalana might not go. Maybe Sturridge doesn't go. Maybe Sturridge doesn't go. Do you know what I mean? Should be no maybe about it. He should well, not go. Yeah. He so should not he's go. Got them what about international break as well? Fuck off, like. Do you know what I mean? I like, that's just nah. the Maybe you get to keep the defender. You know, I, I just think we've just, I agree with you. We've got to win against West Brom because we got two weeks then to just sort our shit out, come back, win the foot, you know, put a bit of a run together. And Rogers, whatever else you say about him, we can argue about his transfer record, we can argue about loads of things. Give him a group of players on a field, on a coaching field, and he makes them better. Yep. And that's what we need yep. him to do right now. Yep. Mm. Well, the- yeah! <laughs> 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 uh, will we just push it towards predictions then for the two games? Because at this stage, like an aggregate score, do you want? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many goals were we conceded? Let's start with that. Uh, Paul, uh, what do you think, Basil? Um, I'll, I'll be optimistic and say two all. That's optimistic. Yeah. Shit. Andy? 1-1. Uh, 1-1. One, one. One, one. Yeah. Jeez, we're rolling them out here. What do you think, Dave? Jeez, we're a bit mad at the moment in the Cup, Sam. We were a bit mad. I think I think we might win 3-2. You do? Mm. Okay. Um, because we've no idea who's playing, I just think we might get through, but I don't know why. There's no logic behind it. Phil, what's your thoughts? I think we win. Mm. I do. I genuinely think we win. Um, That's a loss. <laughs> That's that sort. Of. Um, no, I do. I, I, I think uh, the, the, they, the team seem to be enjoying. Well, sorry, I, I know we, we see what happened, but I think it, it, it's a break from the Premier League. There's a bit of pressure off. It, they're going. It's the, probably the first game that they go in where the pressure isn't on them to win after what's gone on before, and they're going in off the back of a really decent performance against Everton in the Derby. It's also our first away match in the Champions League. Um, they're going to go into a really hostile atmosphere. And I think the team are, uh, really react well to big games. So Could be our competition yeah, this year. I think we win. Um, 11-4. 11-4. Excellent. Uh, what about yourself, Paul, for the West Brom game then? 3-1 to us. 3-1 Liverpool. Yeah. Andy? Uh, yeah, going to go 3-1 as well. Brilliant. Yeah, fuck yeah, it. We brilliant. Also, like, we always <laughs> 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 generally can see the goal. Um, and uh, might be the game we score a few. Might be the game we kick on yeah. in the goals. Okay, Dave. Uh two nil. Two nil. You seem to be seeing scores there. Are you? Sturridge will score. Oh, excellent! Ooh, he's back. Go on. And Markovic will score. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> never gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think Mario. I think Mario wins that game for us, Phil. Um, I don't see us winning that game. I, I just don't see us winning that game. Thank Christ. Yeah, so 4 0 to West Brom. Thank God for that. Hang on a second. Trev, get some fucking scores out here. Stop fucking, you know, oh, we might win that, we might draw that. Yeah. Get some scores out here. You want me to give exact yeah. scores? Basel, yeah. scores Basel first. Basel, and minutes. Basel, Basel, Basel I think, I think, <laughs> t- I think 2 1. To us? Yeah. All I think right. we win it. And I think we I think we win um, West Brom. I said we win 2 1 as well. Nice. And I think, I think Balotelli's the difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Premier League, anyway. All right, Trev. Tasty, tasty. Thanks, I'm happy with that. I am Lou Schwari. You are listening to Trippers Chat. <laughs> right, some Trippers Chats then. First topic we want to cover is Mamadou Sacco and Brendan Rodgers and how they don't love each other anymore. Um, anyone want to start the ball rolling on this? Um, well, like, fair play to Sacco. That's just fucking great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You know, when, when I love pressure. the way you're talking to me like I'm Sacco thanks <laughs> no like when there's pressure on a team and results aren't going your way all you need then is some fucking asshole to, to walk out of the, the dressing room now look none of us know exactly what happened um, I assume he was dropped from the squad 
mm. because he would have known he wasn't going to play. We do know he apologised almost immediately afterwards. It, what, on Twitter? Oh, yeah, or? on Twitter, yeah. Okay, so we don't know what he said to Rogers. No. I mean, that's the main thing, how, how he's patched things up. Like, going onto Twitter is kind of maybe getting fans aside with him, you know, mm. you know, softening the thing with the fans and he's done it on his own back. It's not an official thing. I'd sooner see kind of something on the club website. Yeah. You know, because he's engaged with the There was a number of tweets back and forward and he's engaged with the fans and he's probably like just trying to, you know, come out good out of this. Like mm. there's no real coming out good. Like if, if what <coughs> we're led to believe is true and, you know, there's no coming out good. You just don't get up and walk out of the ground. They're not paying the player a hundred grand a week to piss off and do his own thing. Yeah. Okay, we're not playing the, uh, paying him a hundred grand to not play either. But maybe this is in team with what Rogers, you know, why he's getting dropped. You know, mm. this is part of his personality that Rogers doesn't like. He's up and he's left. So if he feels he can't trust him on the pitch, how's he? You know, he can't trust him to stay in the ground and watch the game if he's being bombed or whatever. Yeah. Well, look, what I wanted to say to you there, and I'll throw this open to you, it's not just to put Andy on the spot, but look, apparently, like, you know, he is one of these guys who gets involved with the community. Like, he has been out and about doing the things. He's not a guy who's on his own, completely on his own buzz. That just, that, sorry, that just sounded exactly like Eamon Dunphy's defence of Roy Keane back when he walked out to Saipan. This is a man who goes to visit sick children during his spare time. Well, it doesn't fucking matter what he does during his spare time. He's a professional footballer. Right. And the club route runs. On, on one fundamental principle, which is the manager picks the team, right? And, I, I, you know, people are saying that he's been treated unfairly and terribly. It's bollocks, like, you know? You Dave, could, you don't know that. It is bollocks. But how does anyone else know that? Nobody knows it. That's my point. So why comment? No, 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 so you why, can't no, say... No, 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 sorry, sorry. What, like, what, give me a hypothesis here that he's been treated badly. I don't understand. What, give me, oh, I'm give not me an example. Point. I'm just saying so that my, you can't he had no say pants a word in the dressing room. But there's no, one, uh, like, there's, no one, there's no one going onto Twitter and saying, oh, uh, he's treated very well. He's really treated well. Whereas yeah. like people are saying he's treated uh, yeah, poorly. Yeah, exactly. But so they don't, why bring that into it? It's mm. wrong. It's what they mean wrong. is he's not being selected. Right, but man- that's all they mean. A manager but thinking someone like not bad treatment. If you're no, not selected, know, you not have fair. to accept. Yeah. You have to accept that you need to do a bit more to get into the team. He mm. used to do a lot more. Yeah. And at the end of the day, right? A manager thinking that a, a manager you get dropped out of a football team for loads of reasons, right? Sometimes it's because there is a better player than you available. Sometimes it's because you don't look fit enough to play because you played 120 minutes four days ago and in training your numbers don't look good. Sometimes it's a kick up the ass to say, you know what, actually, I've given you opportunity and he Sarko's had loads of opportunities. And I think he's I think he should be starting. I think he's I think he's one of our best central defenders. But I have absolutely no problem with the manager thinking differently. I've mm. got no problem. And he has to have that right to say, do you know what? Maybe he's disappointed in Sarko that Sarko should be as good as he is for Liverpool as he is for France for those four games that mm. everyone seems to think he was fucking back and back. Or maybe he is our best centre-back, but that's not hard at the moment. No. Like, there's still lots of really bad mistakes. He headed a ball right into the middle of the park against... West was Ham. West Ham. That was stupid. And, like, I know a lot of people think um, it was Lovren that should have got out, of, got out of that header when he shouted his name. But Lovren was committed and he could see the whole thing and he still jumps up and heads him in the side of the face. Like, you know... They are they are mistakes on the pitch, and they like. Can, and he, can can we just take it away from the mistakes, right? The bit that got to me about this is that he came out to Twitter before any news broke from the club, mm. whether whether anything at all, right? Had he come out after the story had bro- had broken and then offered his apology, fine, yeah, right, yeah. The fact is, he broke the story. 
Exactly, and yeah. that to me, that to me signals a player who's unhappy with his lot at the club at the moment, and has now created a backstory that if he wants to get out in January, there's a, there's, he's already got his backstory to say, well, he wasn't being treated fairly, he was being left out of squads, etc., etc. And that's what annoyed me. It wasn't if he wanted to walk. That's that's not good. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not defending the act of walking out of the thing, but he didn't have to go and put it out there before any story came out, any official line from the club came out. Mm. The official line comes out and he apologises. There's no, there's no story. That theory then just adds further fuel to this mischief making that's going on at the moment around the whole idea that Brendan Rodgers, marvellous man manager, or is he? I don't. See, again, this then, you know, this adds further flames to the fire. It's like Andy's talked about this before, you know, the media will look for stories. If Mm. there's a quiet story weekend, there's something going on, a club isn't playing well and a team isn't playing well, they will look to find a reason why things are going wrong, right? They look at this now and potentially you have a story where you didn't have a story before. Mm. You know, it's always been about how good of a man manager Brendan Rodgers is, right? Listen, at the end of it all, Agers also came out when, when he left and he said, he look, he had total respect for Rodgers. He thinks he's a great manager and the whole lot, right? Ignore what Downing says. He's a Muppet, yeah, right? Man, yeah. He's an absolute Muppet and he has no right to comment on Liverpool. He should never have worn the jersey in the first instance, right? But the, the, you can't have as many players come out about Brendan Rodgers. Commend him. For even after they've left the club and gone to other clubs and the whole lot about how good of a man manager is and the whole lot, managers have always been two-faced. They have to be. They mm. can't turn around and say to a player he's shit when he's part of a squad and you can't get rid of him. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The only thing in, a, in, in a, his defence and the whole thing about <coughs> Rodgers and his man management, Rodgers seems to have had clashes with every centre-half that's played for him since he's, since he's been there. Mm. Like the Zagar has come out in the media in his own country. Skirtle's done the same. Carra kind of force his way back into the team by talking as well you know it seems like it seems that the centre backs like Rodgers isn't isn't prepared like to to kind of get this partnership going let other players know where they stand it's like you know United over the years they had this one of this, these two players that would play together and they had a good young play, couple of young players that could come in and do a job no problem but they knew where they stood and they knew eventually that the other player is going to get too old and he's going to come into the team and that's where it's going to be. But at Liverpool, they've got a lot of players in that prime, you know, that are expected to play every week. And he hasn't got the, not saying going to say balls, but he maybe just the respect to just say to the players, listen, you're not my first choice at the moment. You're going to have to play away. You're going to have to play bloody good when you come on or when you so what you're cup. saying is it's only a matter of time before we see Ashley Williams he's done it again on Rodgers on centre-backs though or defenders in general I think he asks so much of defenders that he he is going to piss off defenders who are used to play in a particular way so he pisses Skirtle and Agar off because they used to play in and Carragher they used to play in Rafa Benitez type defending, and he doesn't want that. He wants and even I, I, even Julio type defending because it wasn't it wasn't a change yeah. in terms of what it was my thing, defense. My mm. thing on him on defenders is he's bought five defenders since he's been Liverpool manager, and four of them start regularly. Right, Lovren starts regularly, Moreno starts regularly, Manquillo starts regularly, and Sacco does start regularly. He's you know he started a mm. lot of games for Liverpool, so it's not like so maybe some of the defenders he's inherited have found the transition difficult but you could say that about a lot of players they inherited he told Andy Carroll after one week basically fuck off like the, you know the most expensive player in the club's history you know so I think he's got a really clear idea as to what he wants the players to do and I think if they can't do it I think he does say to them you can't do what I'm asking you to do so I'm going to give you these options you can try and improve and Skirtle for example has tried to improve and done more of what Rogers likes or you don't improve and if you don't improve I don't care how much you cost. I don't care 
what are your reputation is if you don't improve you don't play mm-hmm. and I think that's the message Sarko's got uh, Paul uh, speaking of fellas who, who don't improve um, in terms of their behaviour we saw some wonderful um, behaviour from Wayne Rooney at the weekend with his <laughs> with his with his uh, tackle in inverted commas uh, there's a question in from Why Always Me here on Twitter, and he's wondering if you could kick one Premier League player, Rooney style, who would it be? Probably Stuart Downing, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rooney has got that nailed on, actually. <laughs> if not him, then there's obviously the obligatory show for real Fernand. <laughs> Downing's definitely one, especially after what he was saying during the week that he, he reckons he'd still get in the Liverpool team. Yeah. Fuck off. Like, he does deserve a boot up the hole. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say Rooney got that fairly spot on. That's not bad decision making by him. Um, Andy, any shouts from yourself? Who yeah, Falcao. Falco. Yeah. You just don't like to go of him. Just think he'd be deadly crack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's had problems with his knee, so you just kick him as hard as possible in the knee. <laughs> and uh, he's only got like a season there. Uh, uh, and, you know, it like, it'd be fucking brilliant. And they had to pay him stupid money like, to sit there with a broken knee. <laughs> a broken knee. <laughs> Jesus, Rob. That's torn dark. It's <laughs> really dark. Anyway, else, Dave? Yeah, it'd probably be Rooney himself. I mean, yeah. the fucking, mm. he's a cunt of a bloke. Like, you know, he really is. <laughs> he is the he is the boldest man with hair I've ever seen. Seriously, yeah. he has the. I I would just kick him all over the field just for that. But no, just generally, I'd kick him all over the field. I think yeah. he's. I'd say even his wife thinks he's a cunt. I mean, you know that? <laughs> I mean, she puts up with him for that money. That, that's the only thing. Like, it's he's just <laughs> ridiculous. I'd say he's fucking smelly as well. Like. <laughs> He's one of those guys no matter how many times he showers he's never clean. It's just never clean. He's he's not in long in after all. (laughs) Definitely a fucking bike in it. Definitely a bike in it. Phil take us out of the uh, Rooney assassination. My one will be Jack Wiltshire. Right. And preferably when he's on the ground moaning in a Bishop Len Brennan pose. Oh yeah. Yeah, I take a run, a twenty yard run and give it a merciful boot up the hole. Taking Jack Wilshire yeah. up the earth. Oh, it takes immense pleasure on his face and everything. He's just everything that makes me want to kick somebody up He'd the He'd be out for nine months if he did that to him. <laughs> <laughs> he's made a fucking glass. Uh, he's yeah. just he's he, oh, he's just one of those players when you look at him. I want to hit him so much. Mm. Like Downing, yeah. Like uh, you got into the, the Downing show for us, but definitely Jack Wilshere will be next. Will be high on the list. He Very didn't good. kick Downing hard enough, to be fair. No. Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to kick Downing, make, make it get sent off. Yeah. Make it count. Like, you know? Make it absolutely. Yeah. It, it was. It was just funny. Like it was just a shit kick that funny, he got sent yeah. off for. Yeah. After the red card, I would have gone and kicked him again. If I'm going to get done, I'm going to get done. Do it. Do it. Like you know. Right. To finish us off, then we have a question in from Sam, primarily aimed at you, Paul, because you knew you were in tonight, and it's what's the best. Sopranos season you've ever witnessed or if you want to talk football what's the best Liverpool season you've ever witnessed and why? Um, the best Liverpool season would be well if, if you're taking out Istanbul and just going domestically probably last season yeah. in my like if you're if taking out the cause of league boy it's definitely last season just mm. so it was a complete roller coaster. like um, Sopranos I would go season 2 or season 3 I'm on season 2 I'm, I'm watching it now for the second time and I'm on season two at the moment, and it's just brilliant. But season three has uh, Ralph Cifaretto, who's just like a complete arsehole. And he's, like, <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious, and yeah. he's brilliant. It's got the Pine Barons episode. Which, which is... is yeah, have you, you've seen I've seen that one, episode. Yeah, that's, that's just ridiculous. I'd probably yeah. edge towards season two, maybe. It's a close one, though. Very good. Andy, favourite Liverpool season? You don't have to do Sopranos if you don't know the show. 
Oh, season one of Sopranos. Oh yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, what, but... <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite? Just the, the acting and all. The, the acting and all. <laughs> and, and the r- people connected with their characters more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful writing, wasn't it? It, it was uh, wonderful. Yeah, writing. If you look at they just and it was novel as well, no, wasn't yeah. it? It's yeah. gone down beautiful, it was brilliant. They should have just left it there. They should have. Yeah, killed your man off then. Went on for others. Yeah. Your best best Liverpool season. Uh, yeah, well, last season. I think it's gonna. It's probably gonna take a few years for last season to properly sink in. Mm. Um, but you know, you kind of look back on last season. It's such a big opportunity to win the league. So I don't know whether I can sort of say definitely last season Istanbul. You know, and that season I went to an awful lot of games and I went to I went away in Europe a lot yeah. that year as well. So that 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 for me, like you don't do you, do you you don't remember league wins, do you? I uh, don't remember league wins. Yeah. Uh, well, my first time ever in, in Liverpool, Liverpool were champions. So right, but that doesn't stand out that as much as champions. That was yeah. like it was in my house. Yeah, we were just just a thing. Liverpool yeah, being yeah, champions. yeah, yeah. Fair so, enough. Um, I, I kind of need to see Liverpool as a grown up in the league yeah. for, for me to appreciate Dave what about yourself favourite as a grown season? up <laughs> <laughs> that's a big boy <laughs> most, most arguable statement of the night uh, Dave your favourite Liverpool season and Sopranos as well if you want well as you know I have very fond memories of 96-97 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, your weather reports were yeah. astonishing <laughs> I tell you oh, it was a beautiful game beautiful day it was uh, <laughs> the most, the most I've enjoyed and invested in a season was last season. It was, mm. I mean, even though it, it, you know, even though we didn't win the league, and I know loads, but I wasn't like, I mean, I was gutted. Don't get me wrong, but as I look back on the season, I don't have this sense of, oh my god, I can't even look at it again. It was so devastating. I, you know, the part I, I haven't rewatched the Palace game, uh, but apart from that game. It was just a great season. So last season was Jeez, was three season. three lads going for for yeah. for um, But season, season two is the best season of the Sopranos. Season two. Yeah, I disagree with Andy. No, no, no. Don't you think the third episode of season one was a bit weak though? They didn't really Not connect to the characters. You know what I'm talking about when he <laughs> saw that thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Well, that was, I mean I can agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> after that, but after that, it's all uphill. Yeah, they don't. Uh, for me, no. Liverpool season eight seven eighty eight. Um, when I was in my forties, it was one of the wonderful time in my life. <laughs> and Soprano season, The Wire. Phil, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, slide <laughs> down. Dunphy pen. That's too Dunphy, man. For fuck's sake. Um, uh, not favorite. like now, Quinn. <laughs> I suppose you have to like for. I can remember the the eighty because as I said, the eighty five eighty six is the first real memory of, of following a season right the way through. And, and but it's not like now because the games weren't on the television all the time. So you know you weren't seeing the games week in week out. So you were getting games when they were important games and we're getting games at different points through the season I suppose yeah 87, 88 every time we've seen us play like it was on television that you could see us play I would have been only 10 at the it time it was 4-0 every match oh, like it was, it was crazy and you had yeah. Barnes in his pomp you had Aldridge you had Peter Birdsley in their pomp like, it was just an immense team to, to mm, watch they were, they, they were truly truly a brilliant team to watch and I, and I loved like even now I love looking back at the, at the games from that season and the whole lot um, modern day I think 0809. I like. I still like. I loved last season the way the run in happened. But 0809 was, you know, 
we got so close in 08 09 as well and the, you know you had Torres in full flow that season Gerard missed so much of that season when you when you look when you actually remember back to, to that season as well Gerard misses so much of the season Torres misses they played very few games together hmm. but Torres was just in full flow it was a magnificent ma- magnificent season yeah, it to, was to, magnificent to watch but like that was the first time that I felt really close to a title since the 90s Mm. You know, since we said 95, 96, yeah. 96, 97. And that was the first one that I thought, yeah, you know, we're going to deal with this. And we didn't deal with it in the end. And, you know, it, it's always that sense that we don't make it. And, like, it, it reminds me so much of 89, 90 when we threw, when we throw the, 89 when we throw the league away. You know, that's the feeling that I always, what it always comes back to when we think of 08, 09. Even last year, even mm. 96, 97, I'm always getting that feeling back to losing in, in Arsenal in that last game. It's just... That kills me. And like that's what ruins those seasons for me. It's just, it just, it, you get so close, you can touch it, and then it's just taken so away. So they're not through. your favourite seasons at all. No, but I'm talking about modern day seasons. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of what when I really, really enjoyed watching, it. and that's when you've seen you're seeing so much football. The, the more modern day seasons, you've seen more of the games than ever before mm. in any of the other seasons that we would have seen, unless you were actually going to the, the games itself. If only there was somewhere we could listen to more of your thoughts about the night. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough, yeah. and people tune off. into Anfield FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the favourite. Season of Sopranos, yeah, yeah Bottle Sagger Lecter. Good lads. <laughs> Good <laughs> Jesus. And we're done. So, to finish as usual, then with some admin, Irish listeners who like to play football should come down and do so here at Astro Park. Book your game on astropark.ie. On our website, lfcdaytrippers.com, we've lots of cool stuff at the moment, some fantastic articles as per usual uh, from some of our great writers and an excellent competition there to win some uh, very, very nice Liverpool t-shirts. Our day trip on November the 1st um, will see LFC fans from all over the country heading to Waterford for an overnighter um, in the Dooley Hotel. We're going to be involved and part of it and we'll be recording something on the day, so if you want to get involved you need to contact YNWA Irish Reds. On Friday last, our first show was broadcast on Anfield FM and featured our interview with the legend that is John Barnes. Very different to this show, and you can tune in via anfieldfm.org or we've handily embedded the radio player onto the website so you can use any web radio app for your mobile device. And uh, We think it's something you'll enjoy. Your day trippers tonight were Dave Thomas, Paul Brennan, Andy Young, Phil Casey, and myself, Trev Downey. <laughs> he's brilliant. He's just yeah. And then he gets up and he's up to the face he did against Fulham when he's calling yeah. his boys. What's uh, happened? Yeah. What's happened? Act of God. What can I possibly have done to prevent that? All he should do is look around the and just went wag the finger and just looked at him and said, "No." It's all about the way he runs, right? Yeah. The the reason he doesn't bend his knees. That <laughs> so James, the reason Damo hates Markovic, he can't go downstairs. <laughs> the reason Damo hates Markovic. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say you're into yoga or Pilates. Or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Have you tried the Name Your Price tool yet? It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to find a rate that works for you. 
It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive. Get your quote today at Progressive.com and see why four out of five new auto customers recommend Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Social Podcast Network.